Today we'll be covering Hadith 13, inshaAllah. The Hadith says, the Messenger said, The one who has an ant's weight of arrogance in their heart shall not enter paradise. A man said, Indeed, one loves his clothes and his shoes to be nice. He said, Allah is beautiful and loves beautification. Arrogance is the rejection of the truth and the, and the, and the belittling of people. Reported by Muslim. I'll just go over the, the short commentary first before covering some of the main points. There are foundational or cardinal diseases of the heart and kibir, arrogance and pride, is one of them. This grave sin reflects serious flaws in our souls and relationship with Allah. And it leads to a host of other great sins. Anyone worried about their fate in the next life and their well-being in this one must understand the problem with kibr and how to protect themselves from it. Iman and kibr. Uh, there's a quote from Imam Ibn Taymiyyah. He said, The sin of pride and self-admiration and showing off is greater than the sin of drinking alcohol. The one who drinks alcohol and is afraid of his Lord is closer to the mercy of his Lord than the arrogant and self-admiring fasting person who is showing off. The one who thinks that the obedience of Allah is the mere external act of the deed is ignorant. Obedience refers to the obedience of the heart with fear and hope and sincerity to Allah and thankfulness and other things. More than it refers to the obedience of the body such as fasting, night prayer, and charity. Mutarrif ibn Abdullah said that I spend the night asleep and be sorry in the morning is more beloved to me than to spend the night praying and admire myself in the morning. Allah said, what prevented you from prostrating when I commanded you? Iblis said, I am better than him. You created me from fire and created him from clay. Allah said, descend from paradise for it is not for you to be arrogant in it. So leave. Indeed, you are of the debased. SubhanAllah, Iblis was literally the original racist. Okay, further down on the page. The Prophet says, The arrogant will be gathered on the Day of Judgment, the size of ants in human form, with humiliation coming to them from every direction. Then underneath that it says, As pride casts one out of heaven, so it casts guidance from the heart. Allah says while talking about Pharaoh, Those who dispute the ayats of Allah without any authority that has come to them, this is extremely hateful to Allah and to those who believe. So does Allah seal up the heart of every arrogant tyrant. This is the natural outcome of anyone who lets pride inhabit his heart. Allah says, I will turn away from my ayats or signs, those who are arrogant upon the earth without right. Iman is the antidote to kibir. Okay, the next page 160, rejecting the truth and despising people. The first and most dangerous product of arrogance is rejecting the truth that comes from Allah and feeling, and feeling superior to it. Yet this outward rejection conceals an internal recognition of the truth. Allah said, and they rejected them, Allah's signs, though their own selves were certain of them, out of transgression and haughtiness. 
The rejection of the truth could be major or complete, leading to kufr, disbelief, or it could be minor or, par or partial, leading to disobedience of Allah that falls short of kufr. Allah protect us from both. Bottom of the page, Allah the Most Wise says, Indeed, those who dispute the ayat of Allah without having any authority from Allah with them, there is only pride in their chests, which will fail to reach its goals, i.e., won't be able to overcome the truth. So seek refuge in Allah, for He is the hearing, the seeing. No one leaves something from the Sunnah except because of arrogance in his soul. So a, a scholar said that about Uthman al the bottom of the page read with an open heart this hadith from the messenger وسلم, about those who are proud of their lineage either the people who are boasting about their deceased forefathers who are but the charcoal of hellfire are going to stop or they will be more insignificant with Allah than the dung beetle that rolls dung with its nose Allah has removed from you the arrogance of jahiliyyah the days of ignorance and its boasting of its forefathers one is either a pious believer or a miserable, rebellious sinner. Humans are all the children of Adam, and Adam came from sand. Here, Turab is translated as sand. Uh, Ahmed, how do you translate Turab? Usually, I think it's like dust. Or... Yeah, dust or dirt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's interesting here. It says sand. Mm -hmm. Okay, moving on to the next page. 163. Allah is beautiful and loves beauty. The following hadith explains this. A man came to the Prophet ﷺ, and he was a handsome man, and said, O Messenger of Allah, I am a man that loves beauty, and I have been given what you see of it, so that I don't like that anyone would have more than I do, even if it were the string, or he said the strap, of my sandal. Is this arrogance? He replied, No, arrogance is the rejection of the truth and the belittling of people. Loving to have more than others is the desire to be superior, and it, and it is an arrogant and bad intent. The companion, however, did not desire superiority, but simply hated others to be superior. He did not hate equality of beauty and affluence. This person loved the best for all, and our hearts will be their happiest if we feel the same. The Prophet explained that Allah is beautiful. He is beautiful in himself, beautiful in his names and attributes, and beautiful in his actions. All the beauty that we see around us in the world is a reminder of the incredible beauty of its creator. Allah loves beauty and beautification. Our internal beauty with iman and taqwa is the most important type of beauty to desire and work for. Though external beauty and beautification has its place in Islam and human life, it remains secondary and inferior to the internal beauty of our hearts and souls. Our desire to have nice clothes and shoes is not an element of arrogance. Allah does not wish for us and does not love that we look ugly on purpose or wear tattered, ragged clothes out of choice. Indeed, Allah loves to see his blessings on us reflected and manifested in our lives. The Prophet ﷺ said, Allah loves to see the impact of his bounty on his slave. There's another hadith. If Allah gives you money, let him see that on you. For Allah loves to see on his slave the good impact of what he grants and he hates showing need or exaggerating it. This does not mean, however, that we should launch into the pursuit of extravagance. Modesty in all of our affairs is best. It keeps us grounded and promotes our iman. The Prophet ﷺ said, Avoiding luxury is from iman. 
Al-Badadatu Minal Iman The next page, 166, Treatment of Kibr. The treatment of Kibr takes place internally, knowledge-based, and externally, action-based. For the external part, we should seek to engage in activities that chase away pride from our hearts. We see the example of this in one hadith, narrated by the companion Jubair ibn Mut'im. He radiallahu anhu said, They say that I'm arrogant, but I rode the donkey, wore the wool sarang, sarang, uh, Uh, that's there's a what's the other lungi? Is that the same? I'm not really familiar with. Like I know they're Singaporean, like or Singaporeans usually like the. So it's like the like the waist wrap, kind of similar to what you might wear in ihram, where it's like yeah. one one piece. I okay. think yeah. Wore the uh, they say that I'm arrogant, but I rode the donkey, wore the wool sarong, and milked the sheep. And the messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, said, "The one who does this has no arrogance left in him." The three acts the companion described represent three aspects of human life and activity. The ride, the dress, and labor. The donkey is a humble ride, similar today to driving an inexpensive car or an old cheap one. Similarly, <clears throat> wool is modest clothing that stands in contrast to the flashiness of expensive designs and brands. Many in the world today dress to attract attention and admiration, basing their self-image and worth on the reactions they receive. And milking sheep is the type of manual labor that many, especially the arrogant, would consider to be beneath them. Acts of this nature strip away layers of arrogance and shield us from expectations, admiring gazes, and flattery. When we are liberated from people's praise, which tends to inflate our egos, we are free to concentrate more on our true self and enjoy the beauty of the simple life. Abdullah bin Salam, the companion, also engaged in physical, menial tasks to tame his ego. I think it's also worth noting that he was a very well-learned, well-educated rabbi before he uh, converted to Islam, meaning he's, he's a very educated person. Once Abdullah bin Salam entered the market with a bundle of wood on his back, so he was asked, why do you do this when Allah had enriched you beyond the need to do this? He replied, I wanted to destroy arrogance. <clears throat> I heard the Prophet ﷺ say, the one who has a mustard seed worth of arrogance shall not enter paradise. We should constantly examine our thoughts and intentions to see if what we are doing and saying is still for Allah or for the sake of self-elevation. Self Ubaidullah ibn Abi Ja'far said, If one is speaking to a gathering and he admires what he says, let him stop. And if he is silent and admires his, and admires his silence, let him speak. So basically trying to be in the middle and be mindful of what the nafs wants and the context of the situation, trying to be balanced. Similarly, Al-Fudayl, who was a scholar, said, If you can, don't be a muhaddif, one who narrates hadith, a public reader or a speaker. If you are eloquent, they will say how eloquent he is and how sweet his talk is and how beautiful his voice is. And you will like, and you will like this and puff up. And if you are not eloquent and your voice is not beautiful, they will say, he cannot talk well and his voice is not beautiful. And you will be sad because of it and it will be difficult for you and so you will be showing off. But if you sit and speak while not paying attention to who criticizes you or praises you, then speak. When we meet people, the first thought that comes to our mind should not be that we are better than them. We should not automatically search for their weaknesses and compare it to our strengths. 
Instead, we should believe that everyone has something that we don't, and so, in one way or another, is better. Al-Hasan said, Humility is for you to leave your home and believe that every Muslim you see is better than you. Any Muslim that we meet must, must have at least one good quality that he is better at than we are. And if we cannot find any, we should say, he has some good that I do not know about. When we meet different people and, in, and interact with them, we won't fail to note how they could be superior to us. Bakr ibn Abdullah said, if you see someone who is older than you, say that he has preceded me with iman and good deeds, so he is better than I am. And if you see someone younger than you, say that I have preceded him with sins and disobedience, so he is better than I am. And if you see your brothers honoring you and respecting you, say that this is a virtuous act that they are practicing. And if you see non-feasance and neglect from them, say that this is because of a sin I did. And then to conclude, moderation without exaggeration. But we also should not take these humbling acts to an extreme. There were a group of Muslims called the Malamatiya who sought to expose their mistakes or fake some to receive public censure. They believe that the blame they will receive and the loss of, and the loss of public esteem uh, will help rid the self of pride. It will block it from working for praise and worldly status, which it has lost. Oh, Malamatiya. Okay. Sorry, it just made sense. For praise, uh, which it has lost, but instead for Allah's pleasure. Others believe that humbling the self must involve demeaning acts like spending extended times sitting in and eating from the garbage dump to tame the arrogance of the soul. These all are examples of purification attempts, though, though may be well-intentioned, that deviate from the example and guidance of the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet, as the best example and teacher of self-purification, never advocated or resorted to such extreme methods. Muslims are commanded to hide their mistakes and not publicize them. When one goes public with them, they would be helping to normalize and spread these sins in mm. society. When one humiliates himself to an extreme, they move from combating pride to tolerating indignity and dishonor. Though the companions, radiallahu anhum, were humble, they were also honorable humans who did not accept demeaning words, acts, or lifestyles. SubhanAllah. Arrogance and the heart. We ask Allah to protect us from arrogance and we ask Allah to help us to be uh, balanced and to, to have a healthy type of humility. Any thoughts or reflections? Is there anything in particular that stood out to anyone? I had something that I wanted to bring up. Mm -hmm. If we can clarify some more about. Mm -hmm. um, the man who came to the Prophet, peace upon him, and said, O Messenger of Allah, I am a man that loves beauty, and I have been given what you see of it, so that I don't like that anyone would have more than I do, even if it were the string, or he said the strap of my sandals, his arrogance. And then down below it says that um, that this man didn't desire superiority but simply hated others to be superior. Mm -hmm. So I I also, that also caught my eye. So I think that's a poor. I think I think God bless the author. I think the word the the choice of words saying. The man simply hated others to be superior is damaging and wrong because the, the man didn't say he hated it the man said he did not like that others may look better than him um 
which the prophet said was okay. He didn't say he hated because hate and not and disliking something are vastly different. Mm -hmm. um, you can be upset with something, but you know, it doesn't necessarily you don't hate it. Mm -hmm. So I think the man just you know gets a little upset that somebody may look better may may look better than him. So he may go try and look better himself. He may try and buy a new sandal strap or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think hating is because then you hate is such a such a powerful emotion. It comes uh, from like that, last that, week when we were talking about envy and like jealousy. Yeah, it would seem it's rooted in that. Exactly. If you hated it. Yeah. And then um, the other thing too that made me confused it was the prophet peace upon him said to love for others what you would love for yourself. Yeah. But he doesn't like. That others would have something better than him. Yeah. So, yeah. So the um, that that hadith is um, those don't necessarily conflict, right? Like, like the man specifically that. asking about arrogance, right? And the Prophet ﷺ when he said that you love for your others what you love for yourself was in reference to being a Muslim, like like like. Um, was it was the was the hadith again? That man who truly believes himself, he loves for his brother what he loves for himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, the, like, there's that. There's the state of being a mu'min, and then there's there's the state of being arrogant. You can be either or. Um, you can't be both because you can't be a mu'min and be arrogant, but. You can be also neither, right? You can be neither arrogant nor mu'min. Um, so, so the Prophet ﷺ is just defining what arrogance is, and that he is not that that quality that he's mm -hmm. presenting is not arrogance in, in and of itself. But it's also not something so praiseworthy either that you exactly, want someone yeah. else to have something yeah. nicer than you. Yeah. But then it also reminds me of um, Sulaiman's law where he said. Grant me a kingdom that is, you know, better than anyone else and will ever be better than anyone else yeah. after me. Yeah. So it's like he's saying, I want the best of the best and no one to have it more than me. But it's really trusting Allah's ability to give it to him yeah. versus it really be about other people. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think, man, did I can point more on that one. It's a it's a good it's a good question. It's a good point. Like, how can we make sense of this statement here and then this statement here? I kind of think of friendly competition, like for Juma, for Eid, for example. Like, I want I may want for everyone else to, you know, to look really nice, right? But I, I may want to be the nicest looking. <laughs> I may want to have like I hope everyone has really nice outfits. I want mine to be a little special with like with a wholesome heart like I don't I do want you know for for others what I want for myself I want them to dress nicely I do in a friendly way kind of like friendly competition like I, I do kind of want there to be a cherry on top for my outfit I want to add a little pizzazz or you know do something unique uh, without wishing anything bad on them and hey if they end up you know uh, wearing something fancier, then you know I may get some ideas from that, and then you know maybe 
the next eat, I'll have some creative ideas. Or... So it, it's kind of, I think that the main point of it is that the Prophet is saying that that's not arrogance. Wanting to look the nicest is not arrogance. Wanting to, you know, be decked out basically if you want to have fancy clothes or shoes or, or anything else, you know, um, then that's fine. What the Prophet is bringing it back to the heart. So long as in your heart you accept the truth, you like once you recognize it, you accept it, and you don't look down on people. What's interesting is however much worldly wealth a person may have, it's never going to compare in the grand scheme of things to internal spiritual wealth, right? Wealth of the heart and following, accepting guidance and following it, that's one thing. So it's not worth compromising the the major for the minor. Like all that stuff is, is nice, but, you know, it's more important, like the, the main focus, accept the truth, don't look down on people, especially people who may not have fancy clothes like you, may not have the same shoes like you or car, house, whatever. So if you have it, have it, thank Allah for it and be humble, especially towards other people who may not have it. So long as, you know, your heart is clean and you're you're connected to the Quran and Sunnah, you're trying your best to, to learn it, to live it as, you know, as, as best as a person can and to remain humble and to not, to not look down on people in terms of their race in terms of their ethnicity, in terms of their socioeconomic status, in terms of their appearance, whatever it may be, in terms of someone may have a stutter, someone may have whatever, right? There, there are a thousand examples that can be given. How do you look at them with with the eyes of your heart, right? In someone may, may act a certain way externally, but then internally they may harbor some kind of arrogance that, you know, I... In reality, I do feel like I'm better than them because, you know, uh, because of this, because of that, because, you know, I have this car, they don't have that car, blah, blah, blah. The Prophet, he's, this man, he's like, hey, I really like to look nice, and like, this is something that really matters a lot to me. I mean, think of fashion, think of, you know, your style. That's fine, as long as you're trying your best to be a good Muslim, and you're, you're humble, then you'll be okay. It's it's actually incredible how many times we continuously circle back to the importance of humility. Mm -hmm. right? It seems like every week humility has to be present in the heart mm -hmm. from from every angle. Like if, last week we covered uh, what is it? Um, envy, hasad. Mm -hmm. if, if, sure. So if if you're humble, you're not going to fall into that. Mm -hmm. If uh, and then for for this week. Uh, arrogance and the heart if you're humble like hum humility and arrogance are polar opposites and iman is tethered to humility and you know arrogance like there's a reason why the the verses of iblis are quoted his arrogance is directly tied with his rejection of the truth in practice so logically for lack of a better word or intellectually, Iblis knows God is real, God is one, heaven is real, hell is real, scripture is real, prophets are real, so on and so forth. Judgment day is real. I mean, in his dua, he asks Allah to, to give me, so he makes dua, he asks Allah alone, uh, I guess I went off the line. He, uh, so he makes dua, he asks Allah alone, 
for something that's connected to the Day of Judgment. He understands these ideas, but was there any humility? Was it fruitful for him to understand that Allah is one, heaven is real, hell is real, so on and so forth? Judgment day is real. Like in his du'a, it's embedded in his du'a, God and the last day, right? These are two of the, the pillars of, of men. But because of lacking humility, because of his arrogance, then, I mean, his du'a, he asks Allah to, to give him uh, time until the day of judgment. So he... He's asking Allah, he knows he's real. He, there, there are all these ideas, there's all this theory, but Allah still mentions that, you know, in uh, in Surah Ibrahim, there, there's an ayah that mentions, like, it's the, like the khutbah or this speech that shaitan will give uh, in the hereafter, and he'll address people who, who followed him and ended up in those consequences, may Allah protect us from that, and he'll say that, I, I didn't force you to do anything. I called you and you responded. Right. Don't blame me, blame yourself. Um, so it's very interesting to look at that story of Iblis on one hand and then Adam salam, on the other like as a case study. Like, okay, so both made mistakes. One repented, which requires humility, and one didn't because of arrogance. Uh, so for this man, if he... So like maybe this Friday, if someone is getting ready for Jumar, or someone's going to go to a wedding, or someone's going to go, you know, for a heat prayer or anything. And if they get dressed up in and of itself, that's fine. It's actually interesting. The Prophet encouraged the man when, you know, the Prophet said, whoever has the smallest amount of arrogance, they won't enter paradise. What if someone likes nice clothes, nice shoes? Interestingly, the Prophet encouraged him. He didn't shut him down and destroy him. He actually, so this person's asking him, like, I really value dressing up. Is that okay? Is that arrogance? He's afraid to be in the category of... Uh, so he's asking yeah. from, from a healthy place of concern. And look at the Prophet's response. Alayhi is so beautiful, pun intended, how he, he lifted him up. Like he responded saying, Allah is beautiful and Allah loves beauty. <laughs> like he's actually encouraging him to continue to dress up, to continue to wear nice clothes and nice shoes and... Actually, thumbs up. That's a good thing. You should continue. Allah loves it when you do that. Just even, make sure your heart is good. Even the way the man brought it up. Because mm-hmm. um, there are two hadith yeah, that are very similar. I have been given what you see of it. Mm-hmm. You know, he recognizes the source. He appreciates mm-hmm. where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. He's humble with I've it. Been even given, so if he has nice clothes. Yeah, like has, you see where it's come from. Yeah. I've been given these things. You know, that in itself I've is been a given statement what you of, see of it. humility. Yeah. Um, yeah, and another thing on it was like, you know, it's this—it's the state of why, why do you, who are you looking beautiful for, and why do you want to look nice? Um, if you're, if I mean, the Prophet, you know, he he warns him, and like in that, in that second half, which is like the rejection of the truth and the belittling of belittling of people, right? The first definition is the rejection of truth. Mm-hmm. And then the second half is the belittling of people. If the point of you, you know, looking nice is to belittle people, then yes, mm-hmm. you are arrogant. Um, but it's 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 all about his intention. Like, is it, is it his intention to look nice for Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, for his wife, for you know, 
for you know his family members to be to be in the presence of the masjid. Yeah, like for example, like Imam Malik used to wear a brand new outfit every time he taught his his every time he teaches a new class, his hadith class. I mean, um, brand new brand new clothes, brand new outfit every single day. Um, and I asked him why, and he was like, because I'm honoring this person. And he was he used to he used to give his hadith classes. Um, leaning against the grave of the Prophet, so he's saying, "I'm honoring the the, the I'm honoring the person who the, the the person who resides here, you know." Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like he's dressing his best for the Prophet, also. Wasn't there someone that I think you guys mentioned? Uh, you said that a man wore a really nice garment, and then the, those people who were just accustomed to always arguing were saying, well, "Look at you wearing that." Though someone better than me wore something better than this, Abdullah bin Abbas, yeah, mm-hmm. when he went to debate with the co-editor, yeah. Yeah. yeah, in the middle of the day, and he wore. So their misunderstanding was so shaitan works in extremes, <clears throat> right? So their misunderstanding was to resort to that extreme. You have to only wear basically simple, tattered. maybe tattered clothes, mm-hmm. regardless, even if you're wealthy, even if you're. If you have access, even if you have these, you know, nicer clothes, so their immediate criticism, and it should be a reminder for us, like if I see someone wearing something fancy at any point in time, whether it's at the store, at the masjid, how do I interpret that? Do I, because they automatically assume something bad about him, something bad about his heart, something bad about his intention. A lot of people do that these days too, when they see nice clothes and nice cars, mm-hmm. nice this. Are you trying to show off? It's yeah. like. How do you know I'm trying to show off? This happens all the time, especially if someone has like a really nice car, and people they feel like I remember to buy nice things because they are afraid people are gonna look at them a certain way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember someone uh, they had a, I think it was a McLaren, and they pulled up to Juma in the McLaren. Wow, cool. And <laughs> yeah, so I was like, oh wow, that's really like if if I could talk to that person, I would say, hey, next time can you come earlier and park it in the front? <laughs> Yeah. Because especially for not just people, but especially kids, when kids are coming to the masjid and they see that, hey, this is a really cool car and it's at the masjid. So in their mind, it'll, it'll plant the still, seed. Yeah. They have this fancy car. Look how they're using it. Yeah. They're using their fancy car to come to the masjid early for Jummah. And there's still someone who submits to Allah. and, mm-hmm. and So what was the... If they accept the truth and they're not looking down on people, what if that person is very humble? And people may automatically assume, how can you be humble if you have a nice car? Well, first of all, we don't know what their means are. We don't know their situation. If they make, you know, a massive amount, whatever, we'll just say like a billion dollars a year, and they give half of that in sadaqah, (laughs) for example, every year. And then if they're like, okay, you know what, I'm... Also, for them, it's like it's a small it's percentage. Nothing, yeah. I'll, you know, spend this with the intention that I want to use this card to go to the masjid, and then I'll be happy to like take pictures or you know let kids. I remember when I was uh, when I was a kid, there was this fascination with Dodge Vipers specifically <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and it, th- this remember is like '98 around there. Yeah. And I remember. A friend of mine was like, oh, you know, we, we stopped by 
like mom took us to the the dealership they let us sit in it and then i remember feeling like so left out like oh man like i wish i could have been there just to sit in it so for example if someone if they have the intention that okay i'm gonna get this car and all the money coming in is good the money going out is good okay so they get this and they want to use it in good ways and then maybe they want to allow you know the first five kids who come early for Jamar Tarawih or whatever, I'll let you sit in it so long as your parents say it's okay if you want, you know, you can take a picture, this or that. They're using it in a way to encourage something good. And if someone passing by automatically assumes, wow, this person, they have this fancy car, they, they must be so in love with the dunya and, you know, what's wrong with them. And Israf is, is when like you go too far outside of your means and you're doing too much and you're wasteful people have their situation if someone even if they have the means what if they still choose a simpler car and their intention is for me i don't really want that attention you know i'd rather just have a, a simple car it gets the job done and okay to, neither one is better or worse than the other right their heart if they're connected to the truth they're not looking down on people. They're humble and they're, they see the good in other people. I actually think if someone passes by and they look down on someone, oh wow, you know, look at this person. They have this car, and uh, maybe that's coming from an insecurity they have within them, and they're projecting this like negative opinion onto that person. Whatever their situation is, is not my business. What is my business is the default to be to have a good opinion of them. Now, if they display issues in their character, like they're really arrogant and they're looking down on people and they're making remarks like, oh, you only have that card, you know, look at mine, whatever. The issue is in connection with the heart. You know, how do they, how do they deal with this blessing that they have? A lot of the time it's a reflection of the person, right? Who's, how are you thinking of your Muslim brother or sister? Most people who have those kinds of opinions where like, oh, you shouldn't, sh you know, purchase very extravagant things and this and that. Like mm -hmm. this hadith itself just kind of like mm -hmm. blows it out of the water where it mm -hmm. says, if Allah gives you money, let him see it, see that on you. For mm -hmm. Allah loves to see on his slave the good impact of what he grants. And he hates showing, and he hates showing need or exaggerating it, mm -hmm. you know. And then coupled with the hadith that's mentioned after that, avoiding luxuries from iman. Yeah, so it's a good balance, but it's like... Even al-badada, like, it can be explained as as avoiding luxury. Others may explain it as simplicity is from iman. And what's interesting is, see, this is like, God bless this long legacy of scholarship in Islam. It's always fruitful and beneficial to look at... What have scholars said in connection with this? So, Sheikh Hamza, he mentioned a story when he was in Mauritania. These are Bedouin people. They live in tents and they have a different lifestyle than someone who may live in the inner city, for example. And he mentioned a story where he, uh, he, he noticed that there was this great scholar who had like very simple clothes and there was even like some dust on them. And... Uh, and he said that there, like, a thought flickered in his mind in connection with that. Like, kind of in, kind of like in a confused way. Like, you know, this is this great scholar. How come they're, 
they kind of there's the simple appearance and their clothes you know are, are a little bit dusty and he said that that scholar it's as if they read his mind and they turned to him and said do, don't you know about or do you know about the hadith this hadith that simplicity is from iman or uh, here it's translated as avoiding luxury is from iman and the the scholar he explained that this concept especially ties in with people who have a lifestyle like bedouins because they're going to have a simple lifestyle simple clothing their clothes are going to get kind of dirty unintentionally kind of dusty so the prophet's putting a positive spin on it that actually this you know when you look at it with certain lenses this can actually be from iman this can be seen in a good way so the the explanation that scholars have given in connection with this hadith it's not necessarily like if you know if someone is kind of dusty and disheveled and um, if they kind of have that rugged appearance that being from iman is in connection with certain people in certain certain like nowadays you may say a construction worker right don't worry there, there's this hadith right so if your intention is that okay i'm gonna look at it in that way my clothes are kind of dusty kind of dirty that's very different for them as opposed to a doctor who has a white coat who you know shows up and it's like unnecessarily dirty that would actually be they can't show up and be like this is from iman <laughs> like i'm doing something for allah no what 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 what's the fine print like what are the the details that uh, that can be applied so it, it just it's interesting so for the person who who you know wears based on what we read here if someone has a job where it's good for them to wear like nice clothes and like if someone is in sales for example you actually are real estate like you want to wear a certain attire and drive a certain car because that image does matter in that in that setting someone's a construction worker <laughs> it's so for for one in this context you have a hadith to kind of to, to to boost your morale and then for someone who may be a construction worker maybe a painter right there's this hadith to kind of boost your morale so it all goes back to the heart how do you um, how is it going to impact your relationship with Allah and, and how do you look at other people well, it shows you the balances yeah, and how, like, there, you have both situations. And sometimes we kind of just hear one hadith and try to have it be like a... Copy-paste for, kind of, for everything like, all the we time. We don't understand the context. Yeah. We don't understand what it's applying to. Mm-hmm. But um, there are so many hadith and, and um, instances where the Prophet is giving us different situations so mm-hmm. that he can show us a lot of them, the, the different ways that... Um, the deen and, and mm-hmm. the Quran applies to us in, in, in different aspects of life. Mm-hmm. And then, I, like you keep, like you said, um, you know, we see that humility const- is constantly a theme in all the had- hadith we've read so far, and probably mm-hmm. many more. Mm-hmm. I think intentionality is also like the yeah. big thing. It, it kind of goes hand in hand. If you're yeah. not checking the state of your heart constantly, and you're not mm-hmm. checking the intentions behind everything, like something that you're doing that's a that could be a good thing could be also not a very good thing because your intentions are not, you know, mm-hmm. um, purified or renewed constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something crossed my mind earlier when you were talking um, at the hadith where it says, if Allah gives you money, let him see that on you. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because thought came across was like, if a person is constant, is like 
hoarding all of their money and not really using it, then it can create a, a sense of like greed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the more and more it grows and builds and builds, like it ends up feeding this greed that they will develop. Sure, like last you know, week. Yeah. Versus like yeah. spending it, even if it's on yourself, even if it's on other people, like yeah. just spend what mm-hmm. you can instead of like watching it grow and grow and then now you have like greed. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So how do you... Uh, so Allah says if he gives you money, let him see that on you. Mm-hmm. For he loves to see on his slaves a good impact that he grants instead of just hoarding it, hiding it away. So with the right intention, this would apply perfectly if someone, if they're comfortable, there's no need for them to go and wear tattered clothing. Like, that's not going to make mm-hmm. you look more pious. In the eyes of the Khawarij, when Abdullah ibn Abbas, who's a scholar, he had these nice clothes, he wore them when he went to go see them, and they automatically assume, like, oh, this must be some unhealthy connection to the dunya. But what, what, what if this was his intention, that he wants to... I mean, he's dressing up for the occasion, and he's taking it seriously, so he wants to present his best self, put his best foot forward, and part of that was to wear nice clothing, um, and their assumption was, oh, this must be something bad, you know, this is coming from a bad place, uh, and his response is just, all his responses, including his first one, is so perfect, like, what about when the Prophet wore something, like someone better than me wore something better than this, when the Prophet, he received a gift of extremely fancy clothing, I think it was from Bahrain, and it even had some gold threading around the edges, and then from this, you know, you have some scholars, they say that if there's like a little bit of gold, then it might be okay, and you have that whole discussion, which isn't really relevant now, but the point is, when the Prophet wore it, it was so nice and so fancy that the Sahaba who were there, they were circling him, they were walking around him, like marveling at how nice his outfit was, and then, and look at how he responded, and I saw the time, he said that, you know, you think this is nice? There was a, a great companion, uh, Sa'ad ibn Muhad, I, I forget which companion, who had recently passed away. And he, he was a significant figure in Medina. And so they're admiring what the Prophet's wearing. And he says, you think this is nice? That companion who, who recently passed away, his handkerchief in Jannah, like, is way nicer than yeah, this. Yeah, it's yeah. So it's interesting how he has, like, there are so many teaching moments that he took advantage of, he has this really fancy outfit, uh, I forget the backstory, <coughs> did, he said what, that did his outfit of, was, his outfit, his outfit, in comparison to the handkerchief of that companion who was in paradise, the handkerchief is nicer than, than his outfit, so his it's interesting, he's reconnecting them with long-term, you know, the hereafter, Jannah. He's also telling them, you can have something that's way nicer than this. Your handkerchief will be way nicer than this in Jannah. So he's connecting some Motivation. dots. and Yeah, he's motivating them. You think this is nice? <laughs> wait till, you know, wait till you get there, inshallah. So it's, it's, it's really beautiful how he navigated different situations and how he responded to different people and so this is an interesting concept that I think 
some Muslims would have a hard time processing. What? If Allah gives you money, let him see that on you? For Allah loves to see on his slave the good impact of what he grants. And he he hates showing need or exaggerating it. I thought I thought good Muslims are always supposed to be poor. I thought good Muslims are supposed to always, uh, you know, drive certain cars or live in certain housing or like well look if, if someone has the means and they choose that that may be their personality that may be their preference that whatever they have their situation but this hadith definitely has its its importance mm -hmm. and it kind of removes that guilt you know mm -hmm. if someone is if they're well off and let's say they're very generous and then if they want to spend something on themselves or on those close to them this in direct reference to themselves wasn't it said the too that given, okay go ahead I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. Go ahead. But, uh, he said that Allah had created human beings to desire these things, like to desire good things. I don't know what my thought was going with that, but. And it may be in connection with, uh, like, if the son of Adam. So is they don't feel given... guilty. Because they already. they. They enjoy nice things, they desire nice mm -hmm. things, they work towards nice things. So he's giving so they, the okay, like, yeah. that's okay. You're not you're not going outside of your means, you're not being, you're not doing too much. It's within your means, okay. So sometimes you kind of got to treat yourself. You can't just, especially if someone, if they're doing a lot for other people, they should get themselves something, you know, from time to time, uh, whatever works for them. And if not, then it may actually, like that pressure may build up and then they may go on some shopping spree <laughs> like later on. So it's interesting how there's the need for balance throughout uh, the journey of life, basically. It's really interesting. Actually, I know an, I know an, uh, an imam, he, once upon a time, many years ago, he got like a, a nice car, mashallah, and he showed up to the masjid. And he got so much criticism for it, like an insane amount of criticism. To the point it was such a headache, he just he got rid of it. Like he he, he couldn't deal with it. It was too much. <clears throat> and then and then later on, he kind of <laughs> he either he got the same car or a nicer one. Or, so he, <laughs> he ended up getting a nice car once again. And part of his intention for doing that, first of all, mashallah, it was within his means. Plus, at the same time, like. I mean, it's there are boundaries, right? There are some people, mashallah, who are very generous and may literally gift a car. Mm -hmm. For example, mm -hmm. someone like I remember uh, another imam had uh, this was when what's it called AirPods when they first came out. They were wearing AirPods in one of their talks or lectures, and someone commented like, basically like, pretty much. Oh my god, like, what, what, what is this? You have these AirPods. And he was like, I mean, I don't owe you an explanation, but just FYI, my brother-in-law gave these to me as a gift. Like, are you happy now? <laughs> like, subhanAllah, yeah. it's, it's really, it doesn't matter. You can never make people matter. happy. Yeah. yeah. I've um, had this discussion recently with someone. We were talking about how you have situations where a community would literally, you know, pop in and make complaints about an mm -hmm. imam driving it decent car not even a fancy car mm -hmm. and then there was I, I don't know if you guys heard the situation but there was an instance where 
an imam, basically they, the community wasn't, the masjid wasn't paying him enough, so he had to go get a second job, mm-hmm. and he decided to work at a grocery store, mm-hmm. and the community complained about that, because they were like, well, how could our imam work at a grocery store? And he was we'll just like, well, I had to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you have both yeah. extremes where people yeah. are constantly like... And this, isn't there a story of a, wasn't there <laughs> yeah. a story of an imam or something of a masjid who wasn't getting paid enough? So he had to go work too or do something, mm-hmm. and then the people saw, yeah, and then he was like, "Well, I can't even." They said that they would give him a sheep or something like that, and he was like, "I can't." Oh, and Abu Bakr was when he them. first became Khalifa, like there was a certain amount that. that he was. Uh, so he became Khalifa, and then, like the next day, he was in the marketplace. Yeah. And then. Uh, and then he was like, "I he can't." He was being asked, "Like, well, what this. are you doing? Like, you have this responsibility." He's like, well, "I have a family. I gotta yeah. put food on the table." Okay, fine. We'll figure it out. We'll we'll give you a, a stipend. Yeah, and was, then it still didn't Omar, work out, right? Was Omar right? in front of him, right? I was it I think I, I think I can't so. Remember. Yeah. And then yeah, I remember this. A, a stipend was uh, was Allocate, yeah. allocated. But, wasn't it but then also, even that yeah. even that wasn't enough. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so so basically the the raise was essentially approved and. And lo and behold, that him getting paid and then getting that raise played such a major role in Islamic history because that time was so sensitive and it was extremely pivotal because you had basically these uh, people who were starting to come together and rebel against uh, against him as the Khalifa and they were planning on waging war in Medina. So there, there's this whole scenario and he was actually the perfect person to be in that role at that time so you look at how much was paid essentially and then how much benefit came from it and how how much good came as a as a result of that subhanallah so yeah a lot of it like what was just mentioned like what Safa mentioned a lot of it i think depends on on the people like how do people respond do they want for that person what they want for themselves or not if Someone has a nice car. If they have a nice house, mm-hmm. they're an imam or otherwise. Okay, mashallah, God bless you. Yeah. Who like who knows who potentially went to them behind the scenes and said, "Hey, you know, you may not realize it. You helped my teenager in this way, and it saved his life. It saved her life. And Allah has blessed me with the means where I am whatever." you know, uh, uh, a real estate mogul and just, I have a ton of property and I have, because I'm so grateful for that, because your your work has such an impact on my family's life directly, on my, you know, child's life directly, or maybe on my life directly, for example, out of gratitude, I mean, th- this is going to be extremely rare, but it could happen, out of gratitude, you know, I have whatever, this many Houses, this much, this, this much. Pick one, I'll give it to you. I'm just, you saved their life. I'm so thankful. Who knows? And so then people may be passing by, be like, oh, you know, Imam Saab, they have this <laughs> whatever house or whatever car. Who knows? Maybe Allah put it in the Muslim Bill Gates, <laughs> Bilal Gates, the <laughs> inspiration, you know, to Allah knows. Allah knows. Uh, so how, how do we view them? Big lesson from it too is you really just can't make people happy. You should just, yeah, you know, live yeah. your life. Yeah, you try, and then <laughs> I feel like imams probably get it really bad. And, 
Yeah, you know, they're like just figures dealing with the community or you're in a public space. Yeah, yeah. I think so even Mufti Mink was <laughs> talking about this one time. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. about uh, like if he was to have a nice car, or he would, mm-hmm. you know, they would everyone would complain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Why would he do? Yeah. Maybe he's borrowing it for a day. I feel like I remember him having a lecture <laughs> about it. So. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, because like, he's so famous. Like, depending on how nice it is, you know, it's, it's like it's like that's too nice for an imam. It's like mm-hmm. you shouldn't have, <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have a Mercedes. Like, you mm-hmm. should have like a high end Toyota. Yeah, which I feel like says a lot about the, you know the state of our community in that that's we don't bad. even consider our um, religious leaders in that high standing. Like, mm-hmm. we would think of an engineer or a doctor as a higher mm-hmm. status than an imam when it's mm-hmm. like. They're guiding us in a uh, deen. Like yeah. you would mm-hmm. think that we would put them. That in the should encourage side. youth mm-hmm. to join that field. Yeah. If it's because maybe some youth members say they're like, well, there's no money in it, and I want to like live large. But so there, what if they there, can there make a good living be... and be uh, an imam? Exactly. You know, and that would like yeah. motivate kids. Mm-hmm. So if there, if there were decent wages, benefits conditions, so on and so forth. Basically what everyone wants. Yeah, and that might then turn that would away. attract it it would attract talent if that was there. Yeah. And if it's not there, then I mean there's so many people who, who I know who, who we who we know um, who I know a number of people who are very very talented and very capable as it relates to serving the dean, as it relates to Quran as a X Y and Z, but I mean, why why would I why would I want to go into that and deal with you know this long list of headaches and challenges when I could do something else and then and make you know money. exactly it, it's actually a very it's a valid perspective. So what needs to happen is to change the status quo yeah. and to raise the bar and to raise the standard yeah. where. It should be, I, I firmly believe this, I've believed this for a long time, even before uh, coming close to uh, starting to serve as an imam, which was many moons ago, and it, it just it feels like a long time ago. Every imam should, by default, have a solid middle-class lifestyle. That, that's, that's like, define middle-class however, however you want. So it depends, okay, if you live in Arkansas, then this is what, what the, based on the norms, based on the urf, the culture, etc. Okay, this is what's uh, needed. If they're in New York, it's going to be different. That's what's needed. If they're in LA, if they're in wherever, then um, it, it should, like, because here's the thing. If their needs are taken care of, and if there's some savings, if their kids are in good schools, and so on and so forth, they, if all their needs are taken care of, especially if they have a family, then they can actually produce better and focus more on their work. Mm-hmm. Like Imam Shafi, he said, like, I can't answer questions if I'm worried about onions. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm worried about food, <laughs> like, and he's this wow. incredible genius. So it's like, okay, what, what, what's the, what's the trade-off, right? If these needs are taken care of here, no one is talking about Rolls Royce or no, but. Solid, decent, reliable, dependable. Um, then there's the space and capacity, and Lord knows there's a need <laughs> for uh, that service and uh, yeah, that So that area. means that 
those positions are not middle class. There are positions that are they don't pay the majority. majority are not. The majority yeah. are not. Majority are not. That's majority. sad. Yeah. yeah. You can't yeah. even pay rent. Like you can't even. Yeah. Like, paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Is the norm. That's sad. It is. Yeah. And legit, okay. legit, yeah. the richest community in all of California had two imams living in low-income housing. Had their two imams living in low-income housing. A community that raises over a million dollars a year. Well over. Are you million. serious? Well over. Now, now they raised two over two million. Um, That's but, sad. Yeah. I like protest. <laughs> so it kind of ties in with the hadith from last week. <laughs> like, why is there so much stinginess? Why is there? Wow. Uh, it it it's heartbreaking. You know, a lot of people don't know these things. Yeah. Eight fifty-two. Yeah. Hmm? A lot of people don't know that. I didn't know that. I, yeah. I know people who don't know that. Well, yeah. I mean, part of it is like, like, keeping tabs with your community. Like, mm-hmm. that's part of it. Like, like that was a community I grew up in. Like, it's not like a random community. So that's why I know, because like they're my shoes. They're my like teachers, and I knew like where they lived. Like, um, but and they do those fundraisers every Ramadan where they're like, yeah, bringing in a lot. I mean, yeah, and like you, you, you don't have to do the work yeah. that the imams put in. Like in a lot of communities, imams are expected to lead every prayer. Yeah. They're expected to be there for lectures. They're expected to be there for all the communities' questions, all the communities. Like anybody it has is, a situation exactly. that they're going through. Yeah, events. You know, somebody's yeah. getting married, you have to be there. Like so many different things. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's an unreasonable, like you're basically on, they want you to be on call basically 24 7. And you're um, living in low-income housing? Basically. You know, we're just barely surviving. And we don't want to be any mom. No, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, I, we're on live streams, I don't want to say it, but... Yeah. Like, Are we? Like, yeah. We can turn off the live stream at this point. <laughs> we kind of went on this. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's so sad. <laughs> uh, but like, freaking... Let me go ahead and wrap it up. Before. <laughs> 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 We're just going off. All right, guys, we'll go ahead and conclude here. Uh, For those who can either show up in person or tune in virtually, see you next week, inshallah. Subhanahu wa rabbika rabbil azati amal yafsikun wa salamu alayhi wa salim. Alhamdulillah.